As you know, we've been in this sermon series uh, for the last couple weeks that Pastor uh, Daryl has been leading us in, and uh, about courageous Christianity, and how we need to step out into the mission that God has for us in redeeming all humanity and our role in that. And I don't know about you, but I have really been stretched by it, and it has really been challenging to me. And so uh, we, uh, because of just scheduling issues and things like that, we've flipped weeks. So I had the opportunity to, uh, Pastor Darrell said, if you could preach, and you could preach on whatever you want to. So I thought, you know, let's do something really controversial. So I thought about today, I'll talk about news. We're going to talk about the news. All right. And there's been some really exciting news lately. I don't know if you've, if you caught the headline uh, of this week of this one news art, uh, a story. It was really fascinating to me. It goes like this. I was completely inside is the headline. Lobster diver swallowed by humpback whale off Provincetown. I don't know if you caught this story and everything, but it's just a crazy story about a lobster diver that sucked in by a whale. Just amazing. He goes on. A little before 8 a.m. Friday, veteran lobster diver Michael Packard entered the water for his second dive of the day. The ocean food chain was in full evidence, but about 10 feet from the bottom, Packard suddenly knew what it truly felt like to be part of that chain. In something truly biblical, Packard was swallowed whole by a humpback whale. All of a sudden, I felt this huge shove, and the next thing I knew, it was completely black. He writes, I could sense I was moving, and I could feel the well squeezing with the muscles in his mouth. What a weird sensation that had to be. They get swallowed by a well and everything. And of course, exactly after he gets on, he tells everybody about this. There's like a, a massive cheer across the country because a million Sunday school teachers are saying, see, it can happen. It can really, really happen. <laughs> and it did. So this, this is what he's, he's dealing with. He goes on. Initially, Packard thought he was just inside a great white shark. But he couldn't feel any teeth, and he hadn't suffered any obvious wounds. It quickly dawned on him that he'd been swallowed by a whale. So obviously Packard's like an insatiable optimist to be sitting in the mouth going, hmm, I guess it's okay, there's no teeth in here. <laughs> but he goes on. Outfitted with scuba gear, he struggled, and the whale began shaking its head so that Packard could tell he didn't like it. He estimated he was in the well for 30 to 40 seconds before the uh, well finally surfaced. Packard Wright uh, says, I saw light. And he started throwing his head side to side. And the next thing I knew, I was outside in the water. Uh, Packard goes on, who lives in Wellfleet. So it's just an amazing story. I was, I was kind of bummed out that he went back to his home in Wellfleet. And that he just didn't get up and go, okay, I guess I got to go to Nineveh. You just got to do it kind of a thing. But it's just kind of an amazing story uh, that happened this week. But I don't know about you. You can, you can tell a lot about a person by where they get their news. If people are on one side of a, a political spectrum, they tend to get their news from one channel. If they're on the other side, they tend to get it from another channel. Uh, and occasionally I'm asked, where do I get my news and I'll be honest, I'm very careful about where I get my news from. 
And uh, I learned a long time ago, I've given this little advice, I tend to like to read my news. Uh, I don't watch a lot of news channels. Uh, to me, that's just fast food, kind of fast food garbage kind of stuff and everything. I tend to like my news in print. I like to read. I'm old school. I like a newspaper uh, or articles that I can read and kind of digest a little bit and everything. Uh, but that's just kind of, kind of the way I like to do it. Uh, but let me ask you, if you watch a lot of news, does it tend to cheer you up? You know, a lot of people say in the morning, the most, most watched thing in the morning is news. People just turn the news on while they get ready in the morning, and it's just like this noisemaker in the background. And let me, let me ask you, listening to that to start your day, does that like fill you with zeal and enthusiasm and excitement for the adventure you're about to partake in that day? No, nah, it just kind of many times just sucks the life right out of us. There was an article written a number of years ago, uh, kind of 1989-ish, uh, where they were talking about news and how news tends to focus on the extreme, and they coined the axiom that is used in news networks, if it bleeds, it leads. If it bleeds, it leads. Always this desire for the news to pull out and hype the extreme. So I'm kind of curious about where you get your news so let's do a little experiment here real quickly. Turn to the person next to you and real quickly say where you get your news. All right? Real quick. One, two, three, go. Real quick. All right. How many of you said the Bible? Anybody? I was really hoping somebody would say the Bible. In fact, I was hoping you would say, you get your news from Jesus. Uh, many people don't realize uh, Jesus was in the announcing news business. Uh, this comes from the scripture reading that uh, Crystal read for us just earlier. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria. Now, there, there's a real distinction, important distinction in this text. We're told that Jesus teaches. He gives instruction on how to live, but we're all claims. Now, often, we often associate proclaiming with preaching or with telling people how to do or what to do. But the word proclaiming was not used that way back then. It's not even a religious word. It's a news word. Jesus went about announcing something had happened. And it was just not news. It was good news. And I want to start by looking at some verses that summarize Jesus' good news. And I want you to listen, see if you can pick out the key phrase in all of these verses. All right? The first one is from Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Once Jesus chose his disciples, he went on the road with one message. This is Luke chapter 8, verse 1. 
After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. When Jesus chose 12 disciples, we're told in Luke chapter 9, 1 and 2, when Jesus had called the 12 to get cured diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. After Jesus was crucified and resurrected, he spent his final days on earth proclaiming one piece of news. This is Acts chapter 1, verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. At the very end of the book of Acts, when Paul, who is an earlier follower of Jesus, is in prison, the last verse of the last chapter of the book, we're told this in Acts 28, 31. He, that's Paul, proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, if you were to pick one phrase that the good news that Jesus involves, that phrase would be, the kingdom of God. The good news of Jesus, the good news that he proclaimed, is that now through him, through his body, through his life that is lived out, through his teaching, life in the kingdom of God, life under God's presence and God's power is now available. And anybody who wants that life can have it through Jesus. Jesus came as the kingdom bringer, and his message was to pursue the kingdom above everything else. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. His news is the kingdom of God is available. And that can be hard for some of us to comprehend because we don't use the word kingdom much anymore. So let's kind of start there. Everybody has a kingdom in the biblical sense of that term. Your kingdom is the little sphere in which what you say and what you want goes. It's within the level of the realm of your control. This is what I call the kingdom of self. And the idea here is, my life is my kingdom, and I get what I want. So we all have a kingdom, and our little kingdoms of self, they all kind of get junked up by sin. And on earth, all these little kingdoms, your and mine, merge and intersect, and they form larger kingdoms, neighborhoods, nations, economic, political, and cultural systems. And we might call that whole conglomeration, the kingdom of the earth. It's the way the Bible likes to describe things. The kingdom of the earth. Now, let's do a study in contrast for a moment. Jesus says, on one hand, there is what's called the kingdom of God. It exists right now. It is this sphere in which things happen just the way God wants them to happen. Everything is in their proper relationship, 
And this proper relationship is described as justice and righteousness. Everything is just right. Perfect peace. All right? Paul writes in Romans 14, 7, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of legalistic rules or about what you eat or drink, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. That's God's kingdom. That's going on right now. But then there's the kingdom of the earth. Question, how are things going on the kingdom of the earth? Not so good. Listen to the news, wherever you get your news. Devastating storms, horrendous loss, racism, terrorism, political polarization, pandemic. We're not even sure we can trust the news to tell us the news, or if it's fake news. So Jesus had a plan. He's going to bring up there, down here. Now this is amazing. Because God, in His divine providence and omniscience, has chosen to work through redeemed people to redeem His creation. It's an amazing thing when you think about it. Most of you will know the most famous prayer in history is called the Lord's Prayer, and there's Jesus' news in it. It goes, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said to pray, God, make up there, come down here. And not just that, Jesus says that whole thing has begun. It started. In Mark 1, 14 and 15, Jesus says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And Jesus, The time has come. And how did it come? What happened? How did it get started? Jesus has come. That's why the time has come. And this is a very audacious claim. Jesus is the kingdom bringer. In his life, in his words, in his healing, in his death, in his resurrection, up there has come down here. The king is here. He is the one who is the rightful ruler. He has no ego. He comes in utter humility as a servant. And if you want to respond to Jesus' proclamation, you make him your king. You make him your Lord. You make him your friend and forgiver. The Bible says you repent. Jesus says you repent. And while repent doesn't mean you feel really, really bad about yourself. Repent is primarily a thinking word. It means to think again. Previously, you were living your kingdom. Now you're called to live God's kingdom. You turn away from the way that you thought to the way of the new reality. And you become a disciple, an apprentice, a student of Jesus' way of living. And the idea as a disciple of Jesus 
we actually do the stuff Jesus told us to do with His presence, through the power of His Holy Spirit. And when we live His life, up there comes down here. Every time you are angry and tempted by revenge, but instead you turn the other cheek, up there is coming down here. Every time you're tempted to enrich your little kingdom, pile up more stuff, but instead become generous, up there comes down here. Every time you're tempted to judge, but you judge not, up there is coming down here. Every time you break through selfishness and you do good for others, up there is coming down here. Every time you do unto others what you would have others do to you, every time you pray for daily bread for you and for others, up there comes down here. And it is happening just as he said it would. You know, this last week, we had what I call a little glimpse of the kingdom of God. We had what's called Vacation Bible School. It was an amazing week. An action-packed week, lots of energy, a lot of work went into it. But we had over 135 young people attend Vacation Bible School. And amazing things happened this last week. Uh, one of the really great things is we had 20 young people make decisions for Jesus Christ because of Vacation Bible School. This is amazing things as the good news was proclaimed. Jesus was made known, and they signed up to be a student, a learner of Jesus. But really cool things happen in Vacation Bible School. You, you get 135 young people, and then you throw in another 80 or so volunteers. There's a lot of people in one little building. And there's people with a lot of differences, a lot of different opinions, a lot of different gifts, a lot of different backgrounds, and yet they all come together to serve one another. You see young people and seniors serving each other. You see people just treating each other with humility. The other day, uh, one of the days, uh, there was a little activity going out on the field, and they were playing the ball game, a little thing where everyone gets a ball, and they got to kick it all the way down and, and knock the pin at the end and everything, and it's a race against all the other kids and everything like that. And there was two children, two girls. They each had their ball, and they're running down the field with their ball, and the one little girl actually kicks her ball, and it goes the wrong way. It went, went sideways rather than toward the pin. And you would have thought right at that moment, the other little girl that she's competing against would have said, aha, here's my chance. I'm going to get ahead and blow her away and nail my pin and our team will win. But she stopped. And she waited for the other little girl to go get her ball and bring it back over to where she is and put it down. And then side by side, they went back after the game. Things like that. It's the kingdom of God happening. All those little things up there, coming down here. 
And it only happens when we no, no longer pursue our little kingdoms, but His kingdom. And I know many times it can get kind of challenging. It can get discouraging because it's a lot of work. Vacation Bible school is a lot of work. I don't know if you know about that. It's a lot of work. You know, trying to bring the kingdom of God into our world right now, it's a lot of work. People can get discouraged. We can get tired. We can even begin to think, is it worth it? Does it really make a difference? It's in those moments where I think we have to go back to Jesus and his example. Especially the ultimate example of Jesus is the cross. In the cross, we see supremely the kingdom. It's at the cross of Christ where we see the way of humility, of servanthood, of death to self, of sacrificial love. And the cross looked like a failure. People thought, well, the good news is over. Complete failure. But it actually becomes the place of his greatest triumph. The cross has become, against all odds, the focal point of the good news of God because if it bleeds, it leads. And so it does in the kingdom. So don't you grow weary. Don't you grow tired. Continue to pursue the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And everything else will be added to you. Up there, we'll come down here. And we'll celebrate together this wonderful gift of life together with God. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the amazing news that your son Jesus came to proclaim and to teach us. This wonderful ability for each and every one of us to live in the presence and the power of God beginning right now in this very moment, and then for all eternity to be with him. Jesus came to proclaim that, to show us what it was like to live in the kingdom, teach us how to live that kind of life ourselves. Then he went to the cross, bearing upon himself the sins of the world, all our garbage, all our junk, all our guilt, taking upon on himself, and then buried rose again, defeating death. And now through him, it is possible to live a kingdom kind of life, to be a part of what you are doing in this world, of restoring all things to you. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be a part of what you are doing. We get to be kingdom bringers, not through our own power, not through our own strength, not through our own will or our own plans. So, Lord, help us to seek you first, to seek your will, to follow your teaching, and be proclaimers of the kingdom of God. Help us to put aside our kingdoms. 
Help us to sacrifice our self-centeredness and seek first the kingdom of God above all else. We help ask for your spirit to help us in that. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.